So the theme we are looking at is going after God. That's the kind of title, just the focus we're having for the next few weeks. You know, how do we chase after? How do we put ourselves in the way of God? And what do we need to know? What do we need to remind ourselves of that will help us to grow closer to Jesus? And as I said, Tom started a brilliant talk last week on giving up control. And we're going to touch a bit more on that again today. And it was just brilliant. You know, over the last couple of years, we've seen followers of Jesus and also those who are exploring faith having to grapple with their personal relationship with God. You may have um, seen this kind of these diagrams before, but if you haven't, I just find them really helpful to help us think about the journey of faith and what church community is all about. And you may have seen, seen this one. So church kind of, I don't know what they're called, kind of strategists or whatever, call it the bounded set model. And basically, the way often we've seen church is that people are either in or they're out. You know, they're either part of the church or they're not. And um, I'm not a big fan of that way of thinking about things. And actually, over the last two years, it's really challenged even more this idea of this bounded set model. Because lots of people who were in, who were members of a church, just disappeared. They reckon that 30 to 50% of people connected to a local church disappeared, disassociated, kind of distanced themselves, drifted away from church community in that time. I mean, that's just a sad, sad stat. And we in this church have, you know, we are missing people who were part of our community before the pandemic. It's, you know, we, it's a sad situation, but it challenges this idea of this in and out. So I'm not a big fan of the bounded set model. Um, have you heard this kind of, this word vicarious and this phrase vicarious faith? Well, I'm not um, an English graduate by a long stretch, so I looked it up and this is what vicarious means. And I'm going to put faith at the start. So vicarious faith is faith experienced as a result of watching, listening to or reading about the activities of other people rather than by doing the activities yourself. See, the thing with this bounded set model is it's so easy. You can be part of something. You can be a member of something. But it doesn't necessarily correlate with a vibrant, active and personal relationship with Jesus. We need to be in community. We need to be a member of a local church. And I've just told you how you can be part of this one. But we need to have a vibrant, personal faith with Jesus. But there is, thankfully, another way of thinking about community, church community, not just those that call this church home, but those we are engaging with in the wider community. And that is what we call the centred set model. And this is it. So the significant difference in this is that it represents each person's, each of your personal journey with Jesus. You know, at any point in time, we can either be moving towards Jesus or moving away. We can either be growing in our personal relationship with Jesus or it can be waning, it can be weakening. Theologically, I would add a little dashed line somewhere around the Jesus because there is a moment, isn't there, 
There is a moment where we decide to follow Jesus, where we make him our Lord and our Saviour, and he becomes everything in our life. But it is probably the main step, but it is a step in the journey, the journey of chasing after Jesus, the journey of getting closer to Jesus and building our relationship up with him. And we see this so often in the scriptures, don't we? And I was thinking of the rich young ruler. I'm not going to go into the passage, but have a read of it. Um, And basically, this guy who's very wealthy comes to Jesus wanting to know, what, what is the secret of life? How do you have this full, abundant life? And Jesus looks at him and goes, what you need to do is you need to sell all of your possessions, give it to the poor, and come follow me. So here's this guy, he's journeying towards Jesus. He's face to face with Jesus. Jesus says, this is what it is. He turns his back on Jesus and walks in the opposite direction. And that is true, isn't it? It's so true of our faith sometimes. It's so true of people's faith. And that's why I think this is so representative of church community and how we're engaging with the wider community. So before we start, I'm going to ask you a question. Before we get into the the meat of this talk. What direction are you walking in? What direction are you going in? Are you walking towards Jesus? Or are you walking away? You know, have you been in this holding pattern that just circles around Jesus, not moving towards him or walking away, but just kind of in this sort of satisfied but unsatisfied state? I just wonder if you want to reflect on that. As we go through the rest of this talk, are you chasing after Jesus? Or have you turned your back on him and walking away? Still have a faith, but it's getting weaker. You may have seen this during the first lockdown. Um, It was in the Daily Mail, but I think it was reported loads of places. I just happened to find that article online. And it says this, more than half of young people are praying online during the pandemic. Staggering new figures show 18 to 24-year-olds are most likely to turn to God in lockdown. It was staggering, wasn't it? Just amazing. And there was other research that showed that something like 50% of people around the age of 30 were attending an online church service or online worship service. Not necessarily Christian, but were hungry, were desperate for something more than just their control and their life. You know, it's so easy to forget when those moments of crisis and difficulty have passed. We kind of regain control and we forget the desperation we felt. You know, I was really sad and I just really want to honour the doctors and nurses and all the healthcare workers because I was chatting to a friend of mine who's a critical care doctor somewhere else, Chesterway, and um, he said that the approval rating and the attitude towards medics has just kind of really plummeted. And um, there was this this kind of report, only four in 10 patients are happy with their GP services. As study shows, approval rating has plummeted to lowest level since polling began. It was only two years ago we were all stood on our doorsteps applauding our NHS staff. How quickly we can forget how quickly we can forget, and how quickly we can forget how much we need Jesus. How often can our relationship with Jesus depend on our desperation for his intervention in our life? We enter a crisis, and our options are limited, and so we cry out to Jesus. Life gets back on track. 
and we start to feel like we can manage our own life again. I haven't found it. I'd love to know if it was out there, but I'd love to know how many 18 to 24s are still praying regularly. My gut, sad gut, is that their need for God, now the pandemic is meant to have passed, (laughs) has somewhat waned, somewhat diminished, because the crisis doesn't seem as much part of their lives. However, many also believe that something has seismically changed in people's hearts. That actually the hunger for God, the hunger for Jesus, the hunger for something beyond themselves is still actually present even if they're not practicing quite as kind of actively that belief. But you know, we're not out of the woods yet, are we? You know, wow, we've got a war in Europe. Unbelievable. How, we could never have imagined that, could we, a few years ago? We've got a cost of living crisis that probably is going to challenge us as much as a financial crash in 2008. There's so many challenges in life, so many crises all around us. And so we have this sort of pendulum, don't we, that our life is a pendulum. We go from control, we can look after ourselves, to crisis, desperation, calling out to God. Then we gain a little bit more control and then the pendulum swings. Does anybody recognize that in their life? You know, you go into a crisis and you're on your knees and you're praying. Life gets a bit more control and you kind of forget how important Jesus is in that moment. And you kind of go through kind of life with a little less desperation. I know I know that in my life, um, for sure. It rec- people... The um, economic, New Economics Foundation said this. 23.4 million people will be unable to afford the cost of living this spring. Nearly half of all children will be living in families that have to make sacrifices on essentials. That's just crazy. Of course, this will mean different things to different people. You know, what some people call essential and what others call essential will be different. But nonetheless, for some, it is the difference between eating and heating. You know, it is significant. And that's why we're so excited to launch the pop-up pantry. But we're so sad that it even needs to exist. The confidence we all had in life, the security we maybe felt before COVID, is now either exceptionally low or for some completely gone. We do not have the foundation we thought we had a few years ago. Well, the European Policy Centre, it's amazing what you can find when you start looking for things online, um, says this, Europe in the age of permacrisis. So there's a new word. Remember when we had post-truth? Now it's permacrisis. Rather than being the exception, a state of permacrisis will be the environment in which Europe will have to continue to operate for the foreseeable future. Permacrisis means permanent crisis. It means one crisis comes to end, but we step straight into another one. And that's how it feels, doesn't it? That's how it feels. We've lived through a pandemic, war in Europe, cost of living crisis. We live with a sense of crisis all around us. We will know people. We will live next to people. We might even be those people. If we're not living in crisis, 
we're living in a world that is living through a perma-crisis. So where are we to look for this unshakable foundation? Well, we look to the unshakable Jesus. We look to the unshakable Jesus for our unshakable foundation. So how desperate are we? How desperate are we for Jesus? And how desperate is our world for Jesus? Our community? Let me read you a passage from Matthew 5. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had, been, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the people, you see people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing that what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, that's a whole other story, but trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, that in itself is an incredible response, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, be freed from your suffering. So this story is found in three Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke. I find it so moving. I find this a really moving story because you have this woman who is ostracized because of her bleeding, alone, now bankrupt after being abused and mistreated by doctors, probably promising the earth but just making things worse. And in her absolute desperation, she hears of Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, if I just touch his cloak, if I just touch his clothes, then could there be even a small chance that what they say about him is true, that I might be healed and restored to community? So she risks the ridicule and isolation of even further isolation by pushing through the crowds and reaching out and touching the hem of Jesus' cloak. And she does get healed. But I wonder, just like Tom did last week, which was so powerful, let's just take a step back and think about this lady's journey. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. I'm a problem solver. I don't know about you. I love a nice challenge, um, and I love to come up with ideas to solve it. Um, so anything difficult, anything unexpected, I'm like, this is great. Um, let's solve a problem. And to a lesser deg greater degree, we're all a little wired like that, aren't we? You know, a crisis comes along, a challenge, a problem, and so we go, right, let's solve it ourselves. Let's figure out a way of getting through it. And that's what this lady was doing. You know, she had some money in the bank and so she approached doctors. She'd got this problem with bleeding. She thought, well, the doctors will help me out. So she went after them, tried a doctor, that didn't work. Tried another doctor, that didn't work. You know, there's nothing wrong in that. Doctors are a gift from God. Their skill, 
their intellect, their training. It's just incredible what they can offer. They are a gift from God. And medicines and all of that are amazing. So going to a doctor is a natural response. It is. We should do that if we're not feeling great. But then you realize that doctors actually can't help. You know, that, that actually the problem isn't getting better. It might be getting worse. You feel that sense of panic. Well, man, is this going to be my life for the rest of my days? Is this what it's going to be like? And it might not be sickness. It might be financial challenges. It might be relational challenges. It might be all sorts of challenges. Well, let's call that desperation level one. We're still trying to solve the problem ourselves. We're trying to figure it out. We've got some ideas, but we're running out of options rapidly. So what happens when we realize we've spent up all our money, we've, we've exhausted all of our own solutions, and, all, and nothing's changed? In fact, it's got worse, because that's what had happened to this lady. Well, the desperation got so much that all she could do was turn and reach out to Jesus. That's what she did. And how true is that of our faith? You know, if you've been a Christian ages or maybe you're still exploring faith, I don't know. How often is it that when we get into that place of utter desperation, that human solutions and answers just aren't possible, that it's then we just go, Jesus, please help us. That pendulum swings to the need for Jesus. This is Jesus' response. Let me read it to you again. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your sufferings. When I look back to those young people who were praying, you know, it's no surprise, is it? The world was in a, a really strange place. We did wonder whether we would ever see normality or any sign of normality again. It's no wonder people just fell on their knees and prayed in that moment. We went from no desperation to desperation level two overnight. It was very strange and very difficult. I was going to say, put your hands up if you pray more when you're in crisis, but I think I know the answer. It's a rhetorical question. We're all human. However, having said all of that about desperation, I don't think this passage is teaching us about desperation. I think we often go there, but I don't think that's what it's teaching us. You see, I don't think Jesus wants us to live a life like the pendulum. That's not his plan for our life. It's not what he has for us. See, the problem with the West is we don't really understand our need. We don't recognize that actually there is a crisis happening all of the time. It's just often unseen that we live in a broken and fallen world, that we actually have an enemy in the devil who is prowling around trying to distract us, trying to take us out, trying to rob us of the joy and the hope and the freedom and the salvation that Jesus offers. We are in crisis. A spiritual crisis is all around us and Jesus is the only answer. It's just in the West we are so fortunate most of the time that we forget that that is going on. You know, this lady, you know, she just demonstrates how fragile our life is. How we can seem to have it all, and yet in a moment it can seem like it disappears. 
I'm sure this lady was going about her days, you know, everything was normal. She had money in the bank, she was probably relatively wealthy. And then this bleeding started, this condition started, and her whole life fell apart until she was probably homeless, bankrupt, and sick, and ostracized. I think this is a lesson in realizing the fragility of life, but also it's a lesson in the importance of faith. You see, this is a story of faith. It's a story about the importance of faith. I mean, did you notice the answer that Jesus gave the lady? Daughter, your faith has healed you. Not your desperation, your faith. Go in peace, be freed from your sufferings. And this is the good news that I really want us to take away today. And I really want us to reflect on. We need to listen to this and apply it to our lives. Because I know for me, I don't want that pendulum. I, don't, I just don't. It's exhausting. I want the promise of Jesus over my life. You know, I've heard people teach on desperation. I've taught on desperation that the gateway to Jesus' intervention is desperation. No, it's not. This passage tells us something different. The gateway to Jesus' intervention in our lives is faith. Is faith. And what does Jesus say faith brings? He said it brings peace and freedom. Peace and freedom. Great news. Great news. You know, I, I wonder why, you know, I've been mulling on this for, for a long time. Why is it that we've seen people drift from church during this pandemic? You know, you kind of think, surely in this moment, people will go, go closer, will connect, will kind of press in. And then this whole idea of vicarious faith, that actually when the rubber hits the road, if we are not embedded, rooted in Jesus, if our roots aren't deep, really, really deep, if we're not super connected to Jesus, if we're not worshiping him every day, if we're not really pressing in, when things happen, we do not have the foundations to stand. Other people's faith does not stand us in good stead when we enter crisis. We have to have our own personal faith. See, if we choose the way of faith each day, it doesn't matter whether it rains or shines. It doesn't matter if it's crisis or calm. It doesn't matter if we have lack or if we have plenty. If we choose the way of faith, of standing upon Jesus, of trusting in him, then we can be assured of two things that will be permanently in our life. Permanently. And that is peace and that is freedom. Let's look at peace. We'll quickly look at freedom and then we're going to pray. So when Jesus says the word peace, he doesn't mean the absence of anxiety. So when we think of peace, that's what we think of sometimes, isn't it? Peace, oh yeah, that's the absence of anxiety and worry if we're peaceful. He has a much bigger understanding of this word, peace. You see, he has in his mind the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is just an incredible word. It's, it, and this is the promise of Jesus. Shalom means this, peace. So it does mean the absence of anxiety. But it also means harmony. 
It means wholeness. It means prosperity. It doesn't mean being super rich. It means having enough. It means that God will meet our needs. It means welfare. We'll be looked after in the body of Christ, in our relationship with Jesus. It means tranquility. We might describe it as abundant life. So when Jesus said to the lady, go in peace, he means go in shalom. Go in this incredible promise of relationship with me. See, the world is telling us perma-crisis. Jesus is telling us shalom, peace, when you have relationship with me. What an incredible promise. And it all comes through faith in him. And the second is freedom. We're called to peace, shalom. We're called to freedom. Jesus says, be freed from your sufferings. The opposite to freedom is captivity. You know, we are in a strange time in history. No doubt in that. We live in the world, even if we're not part of the world, if we follow Jesus. And the danger of captivity is all around fear, anxiety, and worry for us in the UK. For others, like in Ukraine, their their worries and their concerns are far greater. And we need to be praying for them. But for us, worry, anxiety, and fear. What's the future hold for us? How's life going to pan out? can hold us captive. But when we press into Jesus, when we hang on to him, we never have to face that alone and his peace and his freedom wins out. Next week, we're going to press into this a little bit further and we're going to think around how we can break the chains of captivity across our region through multiplication. Because, you know, Faith is personal, but it's not selfish. And so how do we give away our faith? How do we help others to discover the faith that we have? But today it is about us. It's about you and it's about me. And it's about how we are going to respond to the circumstances and the moment in history we find ourselves. You know, are we going to be a pendulum that swings from side to side depending upon how each day is going? You know, whether our bank balance looks okay or whether it's dwindling. You know, whether our relationships are good or whether our relationships are breaking down. You know, how are we going to live our life? Or are we going to live that straight path? That is the path of faith, the path of Jesus being our foundation. How are we going to live? And I think that's the question for today. So I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. We believe the presence of Jesus is here through his Holy Spirit. And so we're just going to be quiet and we're going to wait. I'm just going to throw out some things that I feel the Lord has put on my heart for for us today. Um, And then the invitation is to receive. To receive. One of the first bits of control we need to give up sometimes is being willing to receive to make ourselves vulnerable in that place so here's the four things I felt the Lord put on my heart one of them might resonate for you they're not exhaustive so other things God might be speaking into your life in this moment the first is the pendulum when I'd said that you just recognize that that is your life you swing back and forth from control to desperation control to desperation and the Lord wants to break that and help you to find full faith and foundations in him. 
you are feeling a growth in anxiety, worry, and fear. You know, this is going to impact you. The cost of living crisis is going to be a challenge. Maybe life circumstances are difficult and you feel that anxiety, worry, and fear. We want to pray into that because that should not be present in your life. Jesus wants to give you shalom. Maybe you are one of those people that are walking away. Actually, you've turned, you're kind of wondering whether this is for you. Maybe your relationship with Jesus is waning. Well, we want to pray into that invite you to just press into Jesus and maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus well today's a great day to surrender your life to Jesus so I'm going to pray a prayer that if that is you that you might um, invite Jesus into your life and then we're going to pray for everyone else who wants it so Lord so if this is you just echo this in your heart Jesus I thank you so much that you are the firm foundation I thank you so much that you died on the cross and that you rose again so that if we put our faith in you, we can live with peace, shalom, and we can live in freedom for all eternity. So I say sorry for the stuff I've done wrong. I say sorry for all those things that I've tried to take control of my life. I repent of that. And I invite you into my life to be Lord and Savior for the rest of my days. Amen.